0: What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. what's up divers welcome into another episode of deep dive fantasy football today we are going over the eagles by far the most difficult and the most time-consuming team i have gone over thus far we're going to talk about why and it starts with all of the personnel changes they traded away carson wentz and they are rolling forward rolling forward with jalen hurts It seems like Zach Ertz is going to be gone. They hired Nick Sirianni from the Indianapolis Colts. They drafted Devonta Smith. They drafted a guard in the second round, who I like and think will help their offensive line in Landon Dickerson. And then they also drafted one of my favorite running backs in the draft class, Kenny Gainwell, pretty late in the fifth round. I expected him to go more in the third. But those were some of the personnel changes. But the biggest things being... The fact that Jalen Hurts, who we only have three and a half games worth of tape and tendencies and stats and everything to base this entire season projection on, and Nick Sirianni are both together leading the Eagles, and he's a new coach. So we have a lot of new factors to work with. So let's talk about some trends. We only have four games, really three and a half, like I said, with Jalen Hurts, but during those games... He pays for 36 passes a game. That's a lot. He pays for an even better 11 runs per game. And this is going to be a big factor, and it's the legs of Jalen Hurts. It's going to affect the running backs massively. It's going to affect the volume that's available for the wide receivers. And most importantly, it's going to make Jalen Hurts very good for fantasy, as we're going to get into. But if we extend his fourth game, those were his numbers. Because, like I said, it was three and a half games. His fourth game, he got pulled and their third string quarterback, not Carson Wentz, got put in to finish out that game. So if you just extended that, those were the numbers. 11 runs a game, 36 passes a game. That's 47 plays total that Jalen Hurts was accounting for as a quarterback. That's ridiculous. That's very high. I do not think that that's going to stay that high. He was on pace for 176 runs. Lamar Jackson, which we all know is the best running quarterback in the NFL, broke a thousand yards back to back rushing. Lamar ran the ball 159 times last year. Lamar Jackson's career high in in rush attempts is 176. That's exactly what Jalen Hurts was on pace for. So it shows you how much he runs. Now he was a tiny bit less efficient than Lamar, but he was pretty much right there. And he was actually more efficient in terms of touchdown ratio to run attempts. So that's another thing to keep in mind as well. We might have a little mini Lamar here as we get into it. I have to expect overall that Jalen Hurts, his volume, like I said, 47 plays that he accounted for, that's a lot. His volume is probably going to come down. The Eagles defense was so bad. And the Eagles, it's, it's hard to picture them continuing to be that bad. And the Eagles should run with the running backs more to speed the clock up because the, when you run the ball, the clock keeps going, unlike passing when you have incompletions. So they should be able to fit in less plays over the course of the game. And I also expect their running game to be a little bit better. Nick Sirianni's coming from Indianapolis. They had a very strong running game. Yes, behind a great offensive line, probably at this point, a better offensive line than what the Eagles are working with. And they had a good defense backing them. So by no means do I think the Eagles are gonna be as good running the ball with the running backs as the Colts were. But I have to expect it's going to get a little bit better. Last year, the Eagles were on pace for, or they did have 1,002 plays on pace for about 1,070 over a 17-game season, which is obviously what we're working with now. They had 67 plays per game with Hurts. I think that's probably going to drop to around 62 per game. Their average last year of the 1,002 over 16 games was an average of 63. So I think they're just going to be slightly less than their average, but a big dip from what they had in the four-game stint with Jalen Hurts. They had a 54% pass to 46% run rate with Jalen Hurts. That's really important because it was about 60-40 if you look over the course of the season. But Hurts is a running quarterback. He obviously takes away volume. From the receivers, the tight ends in the receiving game, the running backs in the receiving game, and he makes up for it, for himself at least in fantasy, with his legs. This looks about right because this was actually the exact split that Indy had under Sirianni last year, who was their offensive coordinator. They were under a 54% pass, 46% run. And since that's what the Eagles were with Hurts, I think it's pretty safe to kind of just move that on over to this year and to project that for this year maybe it's off by a percentage or two but it's not going to be anything super significant so i think that's a pretty safe number that we're working with also remember the good defense that's what helped indy have such a high run rate of 46 percent but jalen hurts running as a quarterback will supplement the difference of having a bad defense with the eagles so if you take the 62 plays that I'm projecting for this offense over a 17-game season, that's 1,054 plays. Now, if they're passing 54% of the time, that's 569 passes. It's not too shabby, but once you consider the fact that it is a 17-game season, that's going to be a little bit less than the NFL average, I would imagine. That also leaves 484 runs on the table. Now, once you take out Jalen Hurts' runs, there's only 331 carries to go to the running backs, because I'm projecting Jalen Hurts to have nine rushes a game. So, with that considered, it's going to be kind of tight for Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, and if you want to consider any other running backs in that rush attack, I wouldn't personally. But it's going to be tight for them to have a very good fantasy season unless they get used a lot in the receiving game. So we'll see what happens with the running backs. But before we get into the specific people, which we will be starting as always with the quarterback and Jalen Hurts, I got to give you guys a disclaimer. The passing game for the Eagles is extremely difficult to project. Like I said, we have a new coach. We only have three and a half games of Jalen Hurts' NFL stats to work off of. So basically a rookie almost. And same thing with tendencies. And not only do those two things exist, but also the fact that there's a change in weapons. Now Jalen Rager is healthy. He should play the whole season, hopefully, if he stays healthy. They also have Devonta Smith. Zach Ertz is probably gone. He was a big part of the offense last year. Kenneth Gainwell has been added. Maybe he's going to be used like a Naheem Hines was by Sirianni in Indianapolis. So there's a lot of things changing here. So this is basically my thought process. I'm doing the best that I can, but by no means is this a projection I'm going to be 100% committed on. Maybe even you guys will be able to sway me a little bit. You guys know I'm always active on Twitter. I always post my projections on Twitter. I've already had some good discourse with a couple people. But with that said, let's get into with all the research of like three and a half hours on this team that I spent, what I think is the most realistic and what I think is going to go down. Let's start with Jalen Hurts. Like I said, 569 passes. At nine runs a game, he would be at 153 runs. He ran the ball 11 and a half times per game last year. So I'm expecting a little bit of a decrease. Give some more carries to the running back position. Now, I will say that if we move his average to six yards per carry, he's pretty close to lamar jackson because he was at about 5.7 yards per carry last season if i'm remembering correctly it was either 5.4 or 5.7 and i told you lamar and kyler both their average is six if we move jalen hurts up to six off his 153 runs which is very reasonable it's very reasonable for him to increase his yards per carry because now there is the threat of Devonta Smith and a healthy Jalen Rager. A better offense should help open things up a little bit. The defense is going to be a little bit more worried about the receiving threats out on the field. So Jalen Hurts could definitely get a you know, tenth or three-tenths more of a yard every run. Super easy. It's not a big deal. So I'm going to move it to six and that puts him at 918 rushing yards. Lamar Jackson's just over 1,000, usually like 1,100. So he's pretty close there. He's not nearly as good of a rec- uh, passer, and he doesn't have as good of a receiving core, in my opinion. It's it's close, but not just yet. And then Lamar's still got some, uh, some good offensive play calls and, and stuff going for him. He has the better play action game, so that's going to help him be more efficient. So Jalen Hurts is by no means Lamar Jackson. But he's going to be pretty close because of that rushing. Now, he scored a rushing touchdown. This is something else that's very important to talk about in three out of every four games. In a 17 game season, that would be 13 rushing touchdowns. 13. Lamar Jackson has not hit double digit rushing touchdowns, and he runs just as much. So that's significant. Now, am I going to project 13 and keep the ratio that he showed in a four-game sample size? No, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. I will go with eight. Eight from 13, that's a big drop. That's not half, but just over half. So eight touchdowns could probably and would probably be the lead for NFL quarterbacks. So no big deal. We'll just put him at eight. Now, let's look at his passing efficiency. We've talked about his rushing, about 900 yards, eight rushing touchdowns is what I'm projecting. So if we look at his passing efficiency, 52% completion rate, horrible, atrocious. But part of the reason why was because he was chucking the ball very far down the field. That's why his yards per completion were 13.8 among the tops in the league. And then he had a 4.1% touchdown rate, which is just under the NFL average. So like I said, really bad completion percentage because he was heaving the ball downfield. So it's very possible that His percentage takes a huge spike. Usually you don't see like a 52 to 60, you know, an 8 percentage jump here and there. Usually percentages for completion rate for quarterbacks change anywhere between 3 to 5% on the high side. But when we're talking about such a bad completion rate and such a bad situation with who he was throwing the ball to, we all made jokes all last season of who are the Eagles receivers? They're a bunch of nobodies. Right. And Jalen Rager was like their first round receiver and he wasn't even healthy most of the time. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard both dealt with nagging injuries throughout the season. So so did Miles Sanders actually. Their entire offense was just decimated by injury. So jumping from fifty-two to sixty and also bringing in the depth of his targets or the depths of his, the depths of his passes would make things a lot easier in the offense. It makes a lot more sense. There's no way he's gonna be averaging yards per completion again and just chucking the ball downfield so i'm moving him up to a 61 percent completion rate and dropping him down from 13.8 yards per completion all the way down to 11.4 and then his touchdown rate pretty much the same i knocked it up a little bit from 4.1 to 4.3 he's got better weapons better situation hopefully the offense is better and he's got another year under his belt all of this stuff makes him crazy good for fantasy, and it all comes down to the rushing. We will talk about that at the end because you guys know I don't spoil the stats in the middle of the podcast. Now we've got the running backs. Let's talk about the running backs Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell. Will Gainwell pose a possible late round running back target? Well, in about five minutes, you'll find out. 23% of Jalen Hurts' passes went to the running back position, 24% of of the passes in the Colts offense went to the running back position. So, pretty much the exact same. With Nick Sirianni and Hurts both in the same area of that percentage, 23 and 24, it's probably going to be right around there. So, that's what I'm projecting. Now, with that, you have to break it down between Sanders and Gainwell, and it's very difficult to work out targets. I put a poll out on Twitter. Who's going to get more targets, Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell? The the vote was Majority Miles Sanders. It was almost a 75 25 vote. But I'm actually going to go the opposite direction because if we use the model of the Colts offense as a blueprint and Kenneth Gainwell being the Naheem Hines, Miles Sanders being the Jonathan Taylor, Sanders will take the bulk of carries like Jonathan Taylor did. But Gainwell, like Naheem Hines, should take the bulk of the receiving work. So the fact that they're both great receivers. The fact that Gainwell was just added and that Miles Sanders has dealt with injury, maybe they want to kind of ease up on how they use him, not using him on every single type of down, makes me believe that Gainwell is probably going to lead that room. So how much is he going to lead the room? Well, Naheem Hines got 64% of the targets between him and Jonathan Taylor. I think it's not going to be that big of a difference. So I'm going to actually move it to 60, 40. So I think Gainwell between him and Sanders is going to get 60% of the targets. So obviously that leaves 40% for miles Sanders. I think that's a good split because miles Sanders is going to take the bulk of carries, right? So using that JT Hines comparison is the best way for me to try to understand how they're going to use their running backs. Because like I said, a lot of moving pieces. Now I'm also going to base Kenneth Gainwell's efficiency off of Hines, because I actually think they're very similar players in both skill and how they're going to be used, obviously have the same coach, play a similar role. So if we just kind of put Naheem Hines' efficiency onto Gainwell, then we'll get some solid stats for Gainwell. Now let's look at the Colts' rushing splits with running backs, because we talked about the receiving and how that's going to break down, how I think it's going to break down. Now we got to look at the rushing. We've got 61% of the Colts rush attempts going to their RB1, 21% to their RB2, and 18% to their RB3. That was what they used, three running backs, and that's exactly how it broke down. Now this backfield is more of a two-headed monster than a three-headed monster, so I'm going to change the split up more in Miles Sanders' favor. He's going to have about a 65% carry share in my opinion, Gainwell will be at about 21%, and then they're... Is going to be like 14% carries, which is like 3-4 a game, to the other random running backs that they have in the background there, like, for example, a carry on Johnson. So it's actually an underwhelming carry total for Miles Sanders. 215 carries over a 17-game season. But if you think about it, Jonathan Taylor, who is, let's face it, a better... Well, actually, I'm not even going to say that. I was going to say Jonathan Taylor is a better runner than Miles Sanders, but if you take in situation and context the totality of the circumstances you know maybe he's not maybe they're really just right there with each other some people could actually argue that Sanders because of his speed and explosion is better than Jonathan Taylor but nevertheless we know Jonathan Taylor's very good and he was touted as the best running back in his class he was the was he the third one taken off the board I think he went after Swift didn't he he got 232 carries That's the point i'm making miles sanders at 215 when jonathan taylor got 232 not really that big of a difference to me because you gotta take into the take into consideration that the colts ran the ball a lot more than what the eagles are going to do especially because a lot of the eagles runs are going to come from jalen hurts similar to the problem that we run into that i always try to explain to people with jk dobbins and the ravens lamar jackson runs the ball so much that there's only so many carries to go around And they have two capable running backs in J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Well, if if I like Gainwell, and I think Gainwell, that's not even a lot, 21%, that's not a lot of carries. That's very, very easy to give to a second running back. So that's how it works out, because Jalen Hurts really just kills the running back room. But Miles Sanders, 215 carries. I do think he's going to be very efficient, though, because yes, I know a lot of his yards came off of a few big runs last year, but... Who's to say, one, that he can't do the same thing, and even if he's not able to do the same thing? Now Devonta Smith is there. Hopefully Jalen Rager being moved to the slot is going to be a lot better, more beneficial for the offense. Miles Sanders is now working full-time with a running quarterback. All of those things are going to help him be more efficient. So I don't actually have him at his 5.3 mark from last year, but I do have him right at 4.9, so that's still very, very efficient. And I think it's very possible his overall volume and touchdown potential are hurt by hurts, but his efficiency is helped. That's basically the summary on Miles Sanders. And then Gainwell is going to be more of that PPR, not crazy volume, but decent volume if you if you really just need a, a running back to give you a few points. Then we've got Dallas Goddard and then the receivers. We'll talk about Dallas Goddard first. I think he's a very... Very good topic, very spicy topic for me moving forward because I can already tell I'm going to argue about Dallas Goddard all the time because he's somebody I'm probably going to be planting my flag on this offseason. Last se- last season, one of my biggest flag plants was Tyler Boyd and also Antonio Gibson. Both of those worked out very well. Dallas Goddard, I think, is going to be one of them this year. Tight ends got almost 50% of Jalen Hurts' targets last year between Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz, pretty sure 99% of the people listening to this podcast agree with me that he will not be suiting up as an Eagle this season. And that 50%, I recognize, yes, that was from a lack of receivers. Obviously, that's going to go down, especially if Ertz is gone. But it's not going to drop a crazy amount. If the Titans got 50%, and Zach Ertz was about 25% of that, and now er, I'm sorry, Dallas Goddard was about 25% of that total target share, then even if you drop him a couple with Ertz leaving, it's not going to kill him. I'm giving Dallas Goddard a 23% target share. That's about what he was at last year, and now Zach Ertz is gone, so that's super safe. Super safe, in my opinion. This is one of the few things that I feel very comfortable projecting, is that Dallas Goddard is going to have above 20% target share. Now, if that's the case, he's probably going to lead the team in target share. Now, maybe Devonta Smith comes onto the scene like a Justin Jefferson. I personally have some concerns on the body type. Yes, I know it's overblown. That's why I'm not going to spend much time on it. But I don't think he's the type of receiver that they're going to use and pepper with targets. I think that they're going to use him in a way that helps their team more than it does help your fantasy teams. If you're drafting Devonta Smith kind of similar to like Deshaun Jackson and other skinnier receivers that a lot of times will be used on a deeper depth of target type of routes. I think that's kind of how they're going to use Devonta Smith. He's going to be on the outside most of the time with Jalen Rager in the slot. And then they also have Greg Ward who will be in the slot and Kenneth Gainwell who's been taking some s- snaps in the slot. So they got, they got their slot pretty much good to go. And Devonta Smith is one of the few receivers that can actually be lethal on the outside for them, so he's probably going to be almost exclusively there. So I don't expect him to just be some huge target fiend. And we'll we'll talk more about Devonta Smith in a second. But to get back to Dallas Goddard, if he if we're giving him a 23% target share, even if we drop his catch rate. Last year, his catch rate, catch rate was 70%. His career average is 70%. He's never had a um, a catch rate lower than I think it was 68.5%. I'm dropping him to 65. That would be a career low, right? And I think part of the reason is because with Zach Ertz gone, he's the only tight end they really have to worry about. The and by they I mean the defenses that they'll be playing all season. So it'll be a little bit easier to cover him. He'll probably have a little bit more tough catches because there's a defender right on his hip. So that's why I dropped him from his career average of 70 down to 65. And even with that, give him the 23% target share instead of 25 that you could project him for if you wanted, or maybe 26. Give him 65% catch rate instead of his career average of 70. And he's still great, great for fantasy. And I'll give you the numbers after the receivers. So let's talk about them. Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, Rager, like I said, getting moved to the slot should see an increase in target share and an increase in efficiency getting closer to the line of scrimmage. It's going to be better for him for PPR purposes. Now, the thing that's tricky, very, very tricky with this receiving game is that they have two receiving running backs with Sanders and Gainwell. And when you have receiving running backs, very rarely in fantasy, will you find that an NFL team will have a very good slot receiver and a very good receiving running back, both producing at the same time for fantasy? Very rare. You've seen it with the Patriots, with Edelman and James White, but their entire offense was usually Edelman, James White, and Gronk, those three guys, and that was it. So like that was consistent. So, there's not many times outside of that that you're going to find a very good slot receiver and a very good receiving running back. They've got two receiving running backs, so I think it really caps the ceiling for Jalen Rager of how many targets he can get. Yes, he's going to be moved on the outside as well, he's definitely not going to be exclusively in the slot, especially because he's better on the outside than Greg Ward, so when they go into three wide receiver sets, maybe Rager and Devonta Smith will man the outside and Ward will take the slot, but... Nevertheless, Jalen Rager is going to be more efficient. I just think his total target share is kind of capped because they have receiving running backs. And if they really want to use Gainwell as a receiver, like they've been running him in it, in some formations during practices, from what I've read, then you definitely you definitely have a ceiling cap there. Now let's talk about Devonta Smith. I don't think you can give him more than like 120 targets. Definitely not his rookie year. Now, after that, he could probably be in like the 120, 130 range, but I don't think he can ever be one of those absolute bona fide wide receiver one target hogs that are getting 140 plus targets. I just don't see it. I really don't. Then we have the Jalen Rager versus Devonta Smith debate itself. Who gets more targets there? And that was not as much of a blowout as the Miles Sanders pull, but it was pretty much a blowout to Devonta Smith's favor I don't think it's that much of a shoe-in because it's one a rookie year for Devonta and they both have first round draft capital so it's not like a huge difference there and Rager is going to probably be a safer target for Jalen Hurts he's closer to the line of scrimmage so I think it's going to be pretty close I have them projected very closely I have Rager at 19% target share Devonta at 18% And remember, Goddard at 23%. So I really do believe he leads this team in targets, right? But with that said, we're going to get to the points. I just want to say, if you want to put Devonta over Rager, go for it. Every 1% change. So remember, I have Rager at 19, Devonta at 18. Every 1% change is about six targets. So if you want to give Devonta Smith a 20% target share, then give him 12 extra targets in your head after I give you the stat line kind of work it out that way in your head if you want to change things up if you disagree with me if you think I'm an idiot with the things that I've said then you know how to adjust it once I give you the numbers all right so with that said Jalen Hurts 569 attempts 347 completions 3,957 yards so close to the 4,000 mark 24 passing touchdowns and here's where he makes his money 153 rushes for 918 yards, and 8 touchdowns. That puts him at 23.3 points per game. That's a total of 32 touchdowns. That's less than 2 per game and less than 5,000 total yards, and he's at 23.3 points per game. He's probably going to be my QB 2, and if he's not my QB 2, He's going to be no less than my QB5, unless I come back and change the projections because of something concerning that happens during the offseason, some concerning report or something of that matter. But Lamar Jackson, who I told you guys multiple times, is probably going to be my QB1. He's at 24.7. So that's not that much higher than Jalen Hurts. Then we've got Jalen Rager, 108 targets, 66 receptions, 745 yards, 5 touchdowns. That's 10 points per game. Devonta Smith at 9.9 points per game, 102 targets, just under Rager, 55 receptions, 769 yards, and 6 touchdowns. So I have him with more yardage and an extra touchdown, just not as much volume in terms of targets and receptions. Then Dallas Goddard, this is the one you need to pay attention to. I hope you're ready for this. Remember, this is only a 23% target share. 131 targets. Dropping his career average down by five percent on catch rate brings him to 86 receptions 959 yards seven touchdowns that puts him at 13.2 points per game he is my tight end one right now obviously i have not projected darren waller i have not projected travis kelsey i have not projected george kittle and i have not projected tj hawkinson or kyle pitts There's definitely nobody outside of those five that is going to end up over Dallas Goddard for me. So at worst, he's tight end six. At best, he's tight end three. He's not going to pass Kelsey or Waller. Now, Kittle, maybe. Pitts, definitely a possibility as a rookie. And Hawkinson, definitely a possibility. So just keep your eye out for this man. If you're not getting one of those elite guys, I'm gladly taking Dallas Goddard in round seven round eight and that's where you're always going to have him available on the board so keep that in mind then we've got the running backs miles sanders kenneth gainwell miles sanders i have at 63 targets 38 receptions gainwell at 74 targets 54 receptions so that's 38 for sanders 54 for gainwell i have them both between 300 and 400 receiving yards kenneth gainwell at 394 miles sanders at 305 I have Miles Sanders at three receiving touchdowns. Kenny Gainwell at two receiving touchdowns. And then for the rushes, like I said, 215 for Miles Sanders for 1,054 yards, eight touchdowns. Kenny Gainwell, 69 rushes for 311 yards, two rushing touchdowns to bring Miles Sanders to 14.1 points per game. So he is under Antonio Gibson. He's under J.K. Dobbins. He's under Joe Mixon. He's under David Montgomery. But he's still going to be a solid RB, two. At this point, 14.1 points per game. That's very good. Then Kenny Gainwell at 8.7 points per game. But he is super, super reliant on PPR with those 54 receptions and only 69 rush attempts. So keep that in mind. With that said, guys, that's the Eagles. I told you from the start, this is the one I'm the least confident in. If you have questions, if you find something you think I missed, if you're doing your own research, shoot me a DM, shoot me a comment, tag me on Twitter, whatever the case may be. I'm glad to discuss it. This is definitely a team I'll probably adjust, make minor tweaks and adjustments to. I do that to pretty much every team, but I'll probably do it multiple times to the Eagles before the season starts. With that said, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Drop a rating, drop a review if you can for your boy. Continue to support, and I'll continue to put out the content. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, guys. Peace.